right, everyone. Welcome to Attendance Me Down, uh, Stub Me Bias. I don't know. I don't know. J-Dubs, what do you think? What works for you? Hey, hey, Brian. Welcome <laughs> into Attendance Me Down or Stub Me Bias, however you want to call it. This is really cool. We are here with Brian from Attendance Bias. It's BJW from Stub Me Down, and we also have Skinny from Stub Me Down. So this is a little bit of a podcast mashup, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've been looking forward to this for a while, pretty much the minute that backwards down the number line ended on that last note of Atlantic City. I knew immediately I just wanted to talk about it so much, but I've known from experience with my mini episodes that not nearly as many people listen to just me rambling on as they do when there's a conversation. So I figured who's the most fun to talk about fish with. And I'm glad you guys were game. Well, I'm game. I mean, what did you guys forget about me? Like, I'm trying to be part of two shows. Hey, hey, Skinny. I don't even know who the fuck to say hello to. But hey, (laughs) Brian, it's good to see you. And J-Dub, it's good to see you as always, too, man. Yeah, I'm excited about this, too. And thanks. I mean, that's to think about us to to discuss a great weekend in Atlantic City is awesome, man. I had so much fun. The opportunity to, first of all, meet you in AC, Brian, was really cool. But to put together something where we can talk about all three of these nights. Generally, when we do an episode, we talk about one specific show. Skinny actually stubbed me down in episode nine of our second season on the 13th. So the Friday night from this show, but that does leave the other two days out there. So I thought that this was a really cool idea for us to kind of get into maybe some moments that felt right for us and were worthy of having a conversation about. And we can each kind of pick out something that stood out. We don't necessarily need to cover the entire set of each night because there was a shitload of music that they played, but there was so much that kind of hit you the right way. It was kind of fun to go back, take a listen to each of the shows and then determine where each of us wanted to land as far as conversation for this one. So I'm super stoked to be doing this. And obviously anytime we can get together with new friends, we Skinny and I are both huge fans of attendance bias too. So awesome well, to likewise. be on your show once again and uh, have you back on Stub Me Down, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're all everywhere. Hashtag we're everywhere. But it's it was more than just a lot of music, though. Uh, Atlantic City was a lot of everything except maybe police presence. It was <laughs> there was a lot to soak in over the course of three days. You know, there really was. It was, I think Skinny said it in our off mic conversations, it was a festival without camping. It really had that vibe. And the music was superlative. This whole tour has been great so far. And Atlantic City kind of put an exclamation point on that leg of it. At the time of this recording, Fish had just started their run at the Gorge. And by the time it airs, they'll be getting ready for Dicks. So this is kind of like the way I'm looking at it, a mid-season or late season, if the All-Star game was at the end of the season, I feel like this is kind of a break, you know, to kind of just look over what we've experienced so far in preparation for the big blowout at the end of the summer on Labor Day weekend. Sure. And I think Atlantic City too, Skinny and I talked about this. This was obviously something that was originally planned in 2020. We had the pandemic, so they changed it. Skinny and I both rolled over our tickets from that because we knew we were going to go no matter when it was. But I think the fact that it got pushed out a year, it just ramped up that anticipation, that excitement, that energy that everybody came to Atlantic City with. And we had caught some shows prior to that, but I know like Skinny and some of our other friends, like this was the first time that they were jumping on and seeing the band since MSG 2019. So, you know, Skinny, if you look at it, the excitement going in, you know, we talked a little bit about that feeling of journey proud before you take a trip or do something cool. And there's that nervous energy and excitement. We hit the boardwalk in Atlantic City. And we, even though we had been at 
the previous five shows, that energy, once we got to AC, you park the car, you get into your hotel, man, it is fucking on. And that was, it just permeated through every single fan that you saw walking around. And I remember the excitement when I saw Skinny and his wife and we're here in AC, man, it was just incredible. And we rolled over our tickets because that was supposed to be a huge weekend for us. Well, for me personally, I was turning 50 last year. So 2020 was shot. So to have the hope all year, like it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And there were some, I don't know, I guess like negative thoughts about that as the summer went going on, because you would hear, not hear stuff, read stuff on Twitter about, you know, people getting COVID or when they came back and things like that. So I still got nervous before we went, but I was so happy that they were going to do the shows. And I felt so much more comfortable with the fact that it was on the beach because it's outside. And let's be honest, I'm still seeing people wear masks outside and there's nobody around them. So I'm really confused about how this whole COVID thing works. <laughs> but I did feel pretty comfortable all weekend. I felt like people were keeping their distance as much as they could. And it was good to run into Brian. It was good to see people on the boardwalk. Uh, right in front of the Hard Rock, they had these Steve Miller band type wings, like fly like an angel. So like everybody was taking pictures by them. Everybody was ready to fly like an eagle that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely was. I was the exception of the three of us. I got a refund for my tickets once these shows were canceled at the time. This was kind of when COVID was reaching its like height of uncertainty where everything was being canceled. Yeah, this was a little bit after all the major sports leagues were canceling their seasons and every touring act after touring act was, you know, out of a abundance of caution. We don't want to put anyone in danger. Three tickets for was what, like almost $250 or so. And it was like, I don't know what my life is going to look like in six months. My school was remote only. And so I said, give me that money now. When I saw the pictures of the previous concert at this Atlantic City Beach venue, I think it was pink. It looked like there would be an unlimited number of tickets. So I figured I'll get my money back now. And if and when it's rescheduled, it will not be hard to get three single tickets. Although I was very pleasantly surprised once Fish reannounced the tour and gave us the dates. I went online to book at Bally's or whatever hotel would be close. It turned out the minute that they canceled, I made a reservation already for, for this weekend, a year in advance. And I totally forgot that I did that. So when I looked it up, I was like, oh, wow, Brian from a year ago was the smartest Brian ever. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't right. believe that I remembered to do that. So I was pretty much set. Uh, but to your point, J-Dubs, I agree that this was very much a homecoming for a lot of people, myself included. It was the first fish that I saw since the pandemic, since Mexico, actually, in 2020, right before the world went to complete shit. And I can't tell you how many people I saw arms completely spread out yelling oh my god at each other from like 100 feet away once they spotted their friends or spotted their group or their crew it seemed like everyone even trey when he said at the first show welcome to the beach it was kind of like all right we're all here right to be noted that this was the only east coast shows i know hershey is technically east coast but it's not coast you know, it's it's in no, the Pennsylvania is not the coast. Yeah, Pennsylvania is the West. It's, it's Pennsylvania. Right. If it's <laughs> if it's west of New Jersey, it's the West, you know. So but it really was the only weekend East Coast shows of the whole tour. And so it had that homecoming show. And it basically, like I said, had no capacity. So anyone who wanted to be there could be there. First of all, there were plenty of tickets available each night as we yeah. were walking around on the boardwalk. I saw people selling tickets or trying to give them away. I'm sure there were some miracles. The numbers that I saw were any, anywhere from 38 to 40,000 people. So this is the biggest fish show since Magnaball, probably. Probably. Right? I don't know how many Deer Creek or Alpine Valley holds, but it's probably I don't comparable. Think, yeah, it's prob yeah, I would think, you know, those venues are maybe 18, 20,000 max. I couldn't get over the size of the venue on the beach. And not only that, it didn't matter if you were standing on the beach or you were standing on the boardwalk. The sound was impeccable everywhere. So 
you've got the 38, 40,000 people that are actually there to see the show. And then you've got every single person who's in Atlantic City that goes to take a walk on the boardwalk or get a slice of pizza or walk between casinos or play whack-a-mole or whatever games they're trying to win a giant Spin the wheel. animal. Spin the wheel right. was my favorite. <laughs> and they are also kind of accidental fans, attendees of the show. I mean, sound check every day walking down the boardwalk. It sounded like you were in the front row of the show. It was so frigging cool. And so it did have that festival atmosphere, the size of the venue, the number of people. We took over Atlantic City. You know, I mean, the number of donut themed shirts, bags, hats, bathing suits, you name it, towels, anything that people could wear that had donuts on it you saw on the boardwalk and we really kind of moved in and took over ac for a few days and so it did give it that festival atmosphere obviously there were a lot of differences still you know nobody was camping as skinny said there were no art installations but it did have a little bit of that festival atmosphere that made it a little bit different than any of the shows that they had played at Hershey or Deer Creek or Alpharetta or any of the other stops that they had made before they got to AC. Where did you guys stay? What was your setup? So we stayed at the Hard Rock. Josh was at the Hard Rock too. He and his wife, Megan, were there. And Amy and I were, we came all on Thursday. So Thursday, instead of last year going to see fish in Atlantic City in 2020, we got married on the 12th. So <laughs> we did our one year anniversary in Atlantic City. It's, it's quite, it's quite a romantic. beautiful town. <laughs> yeah, I think there was, uh, I don't know, like a Creedence Clearwater Revival band or something in the hard rock. Who knows? We saw Van Halen in the hard rock on Saturday after the show. So maybe that was like our anniversary present to each other. But it was it, it was really cool. And the, and the best part about the Hard Rock was the fact that they had a White House subs. We got a whole sack of those suckers. So we got four of them. So every night after the show, we're old. So we left during the encore, but we could hear the encore all the way up the boardwalk. So I didn't really leave. Doesn't uh, count. <laughs> it doesn't count. I didn't leave. I heard the whole thing. And then we would go back and nosh on those White House subs. So uh, we had a great time at the Hard Rock. The Hard Rock is is pretty big. Yeah, I really like the Hard Rock. I've stayed at a number of different places in Atlantic City, from the Trop to Bally's to Showboat. I really like the Hard Rock. I like the setup. I like the location on the boardwalk down towards the, or up, I should say, towards the north end there. When we were walking in, I had said to my wife, one of the things we have to do is go over to White House Subs while we're in AC. She, it was her first time in Atlantic City. I was like, you're going to love this sandwich. And so as we're walking into the hotel from the parking garage and we walked past the White House subs stand in the Hard Rock, I damn near lost my mind because I didn't know that the Hard Rock had a White House sub stand in there. You know, when you're when, one of the things that happens to me specifically when I'm on tours, I really only eat maybe once a day. And it's this concentrated meal. All of my efforts go towards that one meal to fuel me for the rest of the day. And then maybe there'll be a late night piece of pizza or something. White House subs was our meal of the day. My wife was tired of all of the bread and cheese after a couple of days, but I absolutely loved going to White House subs. I had great conversations with fans in the line. Are we sponsored and right now? Are we being paid by White House subs? I, you know what? I They're should divine. let them know. Right. Next, They're divine. Time, next time call let... Wegmans and see if they can give us a sponsor because I want to have their subs. <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you guys about that, about overall impressions of Atlantic City because we're all from the East Coast, right? Skinny, you're from the Mid-Atlantic, right? In right. Baltimore. And, right. and JW, you're from New Jersey originally. Right. Yeah. OK, so I'm from Long Island and growing up to me, Atlantic City was like diet Vegas. It was the place where you could get to by driving by car. It's only two and a half hours away. Very accessible. 
And it doesn't involve the expense of a cross-country trip to someplace like Las Vegas. I only compare them because of the legalized gambling and that focus on flashiness and kind of surface level glamour that doesn't really exist. There's no body behind it. And when I was like seven or eight, it was a place to go with my family for a weekend, not frequently, but maybe twice before I was 12 or something. And I have to admit, as like a nine-year-old or a seven-year-old, it was cool to see all the neon lights and all that bullshit on the boardwalk. And the Trump Taj Mahal was newly opened when I was a little kid. And it was, you know, the, the name Trump had, you know, it, it already had its baggage. And that was in like 1990. But it was fun to look at these big hotels and casinos. And I had to stay on the red part of the carpet because I couldn't step on the casino floor. Like I have very vivid memories of being in Atlantic City as a very positive vacation place. And now in my 30s, my late 30s, and a couple of years back when Fish played uh, both Halloween shows, I didn't go to Baderfield, but I, I realized there's really not much there other than what's on the boardwalk. And after I bought tickets to these three shows in 2021, I realized, oh, this is great. Fish three nights in a like a resort, basically. And then I stopped myself and said, oh, shit, now I'm going to have to spend three days in Atlantic City. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I mean, like leaving there on Monday, I was like, what a great weekend, honey. But I'm so glad to get the fuck out of there. I mean, I <laughs> I like Atlantic City, I guess, for about a 24 hour spin. I mean, when I go see shows there, it's different. You know, Baderfield was different. I only caught one show of that 2013 run. I didn't go to 2010. I wouldn't say I hate it, but it's also like there's not much there to do except like a bachelor party or a concert. And we saw I saw a couple when we were there. It's not my cup of tea where Vegas is a little bit. I won't even say cleaner. I mean, have you watched cops? Well, it is, but it is like <laughs> like the strip, like that downtown yeah, yeah. area. It is much cleaner. Right. Like so going a couple blocks off, it gets kind of sketchy. And now for me, from being from the city in Baltimore, I'm not intimidated by it, but I can see how. <laughs> Yeah, not for it. nothing, the wire wasn't filmed in Atlantic City. That's <laughs> true. It could, it probably could have been. <laughs> it's, it's not, you know, a couple blocks off, we went to the Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall, which, by the way, is an awesome place if you're in Atlantic City. For my birthday, my wife rented a couple tables or whatever, you know, reserved. I said rented a couple tables for friends of ours for my birthday. And, and that was fun. They were playing Grateful Dead music. I really love that place. It's really nice. And that's like a couple blocks off, maybe a block and a half. You know, once you get past that, man, you're going too far off the beaten path, I guess it would be. But I'm not much of a big gambler either. The only thing I remember is like Michael Jordan went there after like a Knicks semifinal conference game or whatever. And you know, got crapped on for going with his dad to gamble for a couple hours before the next game. Or I think it was like game six against the Knicks. And he probably scored the... 70 points against them. Well, they I've... won that. They won that series. Yeah, no, I, know. <laughs> I have. Yeah. I, I we could do a whole nother podcast about my uh, my animosity toward the 90s Bulls as a Knicks fan. It was sure. like there's there's always in the way. Oh, right. It's not. It's still there. So uh, he went two and a half hours away, gambled yeah. for a couple hours, went back and then, you know, torched the Knicks. I'm probably it. Yeah, torched Patrick Ewing and John Starks. Exactly. So <laughs> for me, it's always been that it's never been anything else. It's been kind of Vegas's little brother out there on the East Coast. It was the only place if you wanted to gamble before gambling opened up in Maryland or even West Virginia, which isn't too far from us either. But it was always like Vegas's little brother, and it and it certainly didn't live up to the older brother's hype. It's kind of like the White Castle of cities. <laughs> like you don't you don't want to stay there for too long. It's good once in a while. You might not end up well, but it could be fun if it's the right time and place. Agreed. <laughs> I've always had a love hate relationship with Atlantic City, and uh, I'm originally from the Jersey Shore, so for me growing up. Atlantic City was a joke, you know, it was a tourist destination. I, I like the way you described it, Brian, with it's that surface level glitz, but it's really a shithole. But I love going to Atlantic City for shows. 
2010, the Halloween run at Boardwalk Hall was a lot of fun. I really liked Bader Field was a great three nights. We had a great time there. And then in 2013, we did the Halloween run. Skinny and I have been up there for Phil and Friends and different iterations of, of the remaining further iterations of the Grateful Dead. Um, a friend of ours, Jason, and I went up and saw Phil when he had Chris Robinson was singing with him from the from the Black Crows, and they played at the House of Blues, the Showboat. So I've seen a bunch of music up there, and I've always liked traveling to AC for shows because, especially if it's a run, you yeah. park the car and then you just walk everywhere. And I really like that, especially for me. I'm usually the driver to kind of standalone shows. So there's always that responsibility that I have post-show or pre-show getting there. And you don't have to worry about that in Atlantic City. Comparing Atlantic City to Vegas, there is no comparison. I absolutely love Las Vegas. I love everything about the Strip. I love old Vegas. There's just more to do in Las Vegas that's not gambling and bachelor party type stuff. You know, as a kid from Jersey, like Atlantic City was the butt of jokes. You know, nobody nobody that respected themselves and their beach going experience took Atlantic City seriously when I was, you know, growing up and, and even now. But it's the going pigeon into, of beaches. It's the yeah. pigeon of beaches. I, I mean, like just... that description. And and the beaches are the beaches we 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 sat on the beach for a couple of days during this run, my wife and I just to get outside. It was hot. The ocean was nice, but the beaches are, they're not pristine like different parts of the Jersey shore are. You're not going to Atlantic city to sit on the beach for me being from the Jersey shore. It it starts at the beach, right? (laughs) The beach here is terrible. I do love going to see shows here and I will always go to see fish whenever they play in Atlantic city, whether it's boardwalk call, if they do something like this on the beach again, I'm there, man. Cause I love it. It's just such a good time. And I love the centralized location. You know, I'm going down to the central part of town and everything is right there on the boardwalk. We don't need to leave the boardwalk and walk up a couple blocks into those sketchy areas you know, unless you're going to White House subs and there was one in our hotel. So that really saved a whole bunch of headache for me as well. Well, let's talk about the shows then. Talking about seeing fish in Atlantic City. I was also at the Halloween 2010 run and the 2013 run. This one obviously was different in a, in a million ways. And I was wondering where you guys were for each night. I was with my friends, Laura and Steve. Like I mentioned earlier, our number one priority for this whole weekend was keep our distance, stay safe. So we were pretty far back. We were between exits five and six each night. Uh, for anyone listening who wasn't at the show, I can't even guess. What would you guys say? Maybe it was like half a mile from the entrance to the venue to the stage. God, yeah. it had to be at least 500 yards. I mean, yeah. when you came in- huge. At exit 12 in the back, you had probably an eight or a nine minute walk to get to exit five. We were at exit between exit five and exit six, kind of in the middle. And it was a walk. I mean, I would say, yeah, probably five to eight minutes. So I would say maybe a half a mile from the very back of the venue to where the boardwalk and, or excuse me, where the pier and the stage were set up. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say a half a mile easy. And you look at those aerial shots. It's just incredible how big the venue itself was. Yeah. And those aerial shots, I thought were a little disingenuous in a way. I I know they're photographs. They can't be disingenuous, but it were at least where we were pretty far back, maybe around exit six, it was not as crowded as some of those photos imply. We were able to keep our distance from people. We were able to dance. You know, we were able to move about without feeling like we were too close to anybody. And especially on Saturday and Sunday nights when it was more crowded than Friday, for us at least, Friday was a little more laid back. It was totally comfortable. It was invisible. I I couldn't see the stage 
in the least. I barely saw the lights, but I'd seen fish a hundred something times. I don't need to see the stage. You know, there was video screens set up at like every other exit, the speaker towers, delay towers going all the way back. Like you mentioned, JW, the sound was perfect no matter where you were, except if you were all the way pretty much in the ocean, then it was a little off because you're all the way to the side of the speakers. But we stayed all three nights pretty far back in our primary interest of keeping our distance from anyone because who knows who's who there. And we loved it each and every night. It was perfect. I loved it. I loved it too, Brian. I, I totally agree with that. We Friday night, we're right by exit five because of that, where the bar was. And, you know, we got kind of looped into that, which we learned our lesson, the 16 ounce beers, God, never, <laughs> I'll, never again, never again. I'll get one and then I'll drink water. I literally will because they had refill stations. They had plenty of bathrooms Saturday, which I felt was the busiest or the most packed as it were. We still were plenty of room with our little crew, six feet from everybody. There was nobody around that was like encroaching on your space. I know what the band looks like. Josh knows what the band looks like. You know, my wife wanted to kind of go around and go closer. But after we came underneath the boardwalk to enter the first night, I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. We could see some of the lighting rig. Um, I'm so like happy I get to go to Dick's because I get to see the lighting rig a little bit better than I saw it. But I, we could still see that. And plus, the screens were great. They had them all the way back. The tower, the, uh, there was no love lost. I can't hear. I, I don't know what's going on. There was none of that for me that weekend. I, I felt like the spots that we picked and obviously the spot that you picked were perfect. I feel like the lights, unless you were up close, kind of got washed out by just the openness of the sky and then the lights that were there along the boardwalk. So it wasn't necessarily the greatest venue to take in the lights, especially where we were, but that's a, a minor critique considering where we were. Um, but I thought that the venue was laid out pretty well. I got one deer on the first day. It took us 45 or 50 minutes to get through the line. And it was, you know, a 32 ounce Miller light by the time I got halfway through with it, it was as warm as the ocean. For like $24 and, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's right. ridiculous. It's and don't so do after it. that, so after that, you know, we stuck with water. We 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 pre-gamed and you know, then basically just stuck with water once we got into the venue. One last point I want to make about the venue before we dive into the music. I do want to give huge props to the security in that there really wasn't any. There is one silver lining to take from this whole crisis. It's that people don't want to touch you anymore. And that includes entering a concert through security. I just scanned my ticket and they waved me through. And holy shit, I could have brought in a boa constrictor in my pocket and no one would have known the otherwise. It was fabulous. It happened again when I went to a concert uh, nearby. I saw Wilco last week and I hope that this is a trend that continues where they ask to see your ticket and you go through. It brought me back to a pre 9-11 world. And if that means a post-COVID world, I'll take that mashup, show my ticket, walk through, who cares what's in my pockets? I'm happy to be in your concert. So great props to the lack of security uh, and everyone who did work there was extremely friendly and gracious. You could have brought in some Sauvignon Blanc. There was some yeah, some people Twitter. did. Yeah, they were bringing in our wine cellar. It was awesome. My wife was wearing a hip pack the whole weekend, a Saturday and Sunday. She slipped a pint of vodka in there. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was it. There was no, of course, there was nothing to mix it with inside the venue, <laughs> but the security, when we walked in, she had it behind her and he walked in, he said, ma'am, you have a, you have a bag. And she said, I know I just kept walking and that was it. And so, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Security there was friendly to the point where for those that were having trouble getting beers and stuff like that, it made it a little bit easier to get in some contraband kind of deal with the concession problems. So let's talk about some of the music uh, in the interest of keeping things to the point and kind of quick and dirty recap. 
we thought it would be a good idea to just each one of us pick either a song or a short segment from each night to kind of point out. So for night one, the Friday night show, there was a lot of good stuff. I thought emotionally, because this was my first show back in a very long time, and it had that good vibes on the beach, the weather was great Friday night. Emotionally, it hit me when they opened. So I would take the obvious pick of Cars, Trucks and Buses, the opener, uh, because first I do have a sentimental connection to the song. They played it at my first show ever, but more immediately and to the point it opened the whole weekend. It was our introduction to this three show run that was to repeat a motif throughout this recording, more of a festival in a sense than a series of three different concerts. So it was the opener of the whole experience. As we've said, Atlantic City is not quite Cancun, but it's as close as we'll get until further notice. I also love that Trey called it his hometown favorite because almost anyone who got there had to drive on the Jersey Turnpike and you always see the cars, trucks and buses, different arrows and lanes. So that was pretty cute. It just spoke to the fan experience. I was just gonna say, and in addition to jams, you know, which is my favorite part of seeing fish, Chatty Fish and Chatty Trey and the fan experience, that's what I go for. I love the goofy stuff. And this was borderline. It just just qualified as goofy enough to me to be self-referential to the point where I really enjoyed it. I think that's awesome. For me, it was just a simple thing of the ACDC bag, which was right after that car struck the buses, which put them on a beach and let them fight it out. And I loved the cars, trucks and buses. I think right after they played that, I was already talking to JW like, I don't think I've ever seen that open. And I get the reference just from driving in New Jersey with him all those years. So I had seen it, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And then it opened up the entire three nights. So I, I totally agree with that. That was awesome. And just being on the beach too, it was like that hometown thing. I could feel that from people that are from Jersey, especially from, you know, my best friend is from Jersey. So I, I totally got that. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought it was a great opener. I love that it's a little bit of a rarity here that they pop in. It really set the tone for just this fun, engaging. The band was so engaging. And throughout the weekend, they didn't just do it on the first day, but throughout the weekend, there were lyrical changes and little things that they did to make reference to being on a beach in New Jersey and what that was and sometimes it was a little bit more direct playing a song like waves and sometimes yeah. it was a slight lyrical adjustment like skinny said with the bag there and those types of things i love and they make you laugh and they make you smile and they make you feel included there's that engagement piece that fish is so good at with the crowd that makes you feel like you are a part of something special when they do that. And not every show has those fishy components, right? We've all been to straightforward jam fests and standard shows. And then we've also gotten those fishy moments or shows where the whole show has that fishy element to it. This, they sprinkled it in throughout the weekend, but they started the whole run with this cars, trucks, and buses that put that out there. And I, I just loved the energy and the feeling that came through from the very first note to the very last note of this whole run. And I know we're still talking about just Friday here, but I think that that cars, trucks, and buses, when you bookend that with the number line encore, last song that they played, the whole thing tells a story of the weekend. And those are just two great bookends that started this thing and ended this thing in just such a great notable way skinny what was your highlight from night one i would say just the first set but then i would say it was the tweezer bathtub possum everything's right well i know <laughs> i got set. that yeah the whole set <laughs> i mean because i was already happy i'm like oh my god that first set like i'm like cars trucks and buses to open up and then a bag like 
I was really happy with that set. And I was happy with first sets all the way through. I mean, I was happy with the whole thing, but, you know. But the second set just like is straight fire. And then the everything's right transition into that possum and then they drop down into that 2001, whatever. That was first, fun. Yeah, yeah it was right into possum. That was yeah. a good segue. Tweezer obviously is a, is a very, very good version of Tweezer. I really like that. But the bathtub gin, everything's right possum segment of this set was just so good. The seg from everything's right into possum was amazing. The bathtub gin kind of reminded me of the version they opened the second set with at the man, August 12th, 2015. We're not talking a very long version here, about 12 minutes. It packed a punch. It had this kind of a little bit more of a laid back tempo, I feel like. A nice blissful jam through the middle part of the bathtub gin. And the last couple minutes were just like Trey kind of doing these like mini peaks and Paige playing off of that. The transition into everything's right. It, it was just such a beautiful segment of music that felt so connected and energetic and fun. And I think the one thing that comes through, especially in that block of music for me, is how much fun the band was having and how relaxed they were. And when you talk about festival fish versus regular fish shows, festival sets tend to have a little bit more of a patient, laid back feel where they kind of let the music come to them instead of forcing themselves into a jam or into doing something unique or different or special. Or ripcording it. Right, or we're pulling the plug completely. And this chunk of this set here, and the 2001, I think, continued it, but from the bathtub gin through the possum, it had that patient feel. The possum had some really slick interplay between Trey and Paige. They were doing a little bit of call and response, and you can just hear in the playing between those two guys, they're having a blast. Yeah. And it really did carry through the music and gave it that kind of festival atmosphere of we're letting things develop. They're dropping heavy hitters left and right here in the first set, in the second set. And it just had that stretched out feeling that you get from Festival Fish, even though technically this this wasn't a festival. For night two, for Saturday, my favorite part was Drowned open the second set and it would be remiss for us not to bring up that there was a huge fireworks show uh not part of the fish event it was what like uh maybe a couple hundred feet behind the stage and it lasted for a really long time it started at the end of set break and went all the way through drown all the way through the next song so that itself was really fun because We've used the word festival a lot in this conversation, but kind of a pinnacle of fish festivals is a gigantic fireworks show. This one just happened to be right in the center of the three show run as opposed to the end of the festival. But it was big and fun and Drown started the second set. And you guys know, and any listeners of Attendance Bias know that I'm a big fan of The Who. So anytime they play Drown, it's an automatic highlight, no matter how good or bad it is. And this is a monster version. This was one of the better versions of 3.0 that I've heard. And I knew ahead of time they were gonna play a lot of beach or ocean songs. You know, I still am waiting for a song I heard the ocean sing. And there is a lot of, they do that a lot. Whenever, if you guys see them at Jones Beach, you can automatically expect that. Uh, So Drowned wasn't really a surprise because that's like one of their most water-based songs they just tore it apart. Mike's vocals are very good, which is what I don't normally say for Drowned. There are some Roger Daltrey notes that he just, God bless him, doesn't hit on the regular. Paige had a great piano solo. The jam really picked up and got very psychedelic at 10 minutes. I remember just looking over into the ocean and back up into the sky while my ears were watching the music. If that makes sense to anyone except me, like that's how it felt. Like it was a 360 degrees sort of experience and Drowned just really put me in the moment. That is just such a beautiful description. (laughs) I mean, well, that's why you have your own podcast. (laughs) I mean, because you know what? 
I don't know when that page kind of solo when he just is like, blah, 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 you know, he, he like totally just charges it down from wherever they were. And like, I don't know if that's a decrescendo, but as he was decrescendoing whatever notes he was on, that's when the fireworks were going off in like red and white behind, you know, to the left of the stage is where we were on Saturday. And I'm just like, wow, this is like, I'm twice blessed. So I'm watching fish and I know this is not their firework thing. It, it's somewhere up the beach. Who knows what that was for? It was just lighting up as he was decrescendoing. I mean, I don't know if anybody put those two things together, but it was crazy. I, I just thought that Drowned was probably the best version of Drowned I've heard since I heard it at my first show. Plus the experience of it and the fireworks too. I always feel like somebody's like, hey, Paige, like, you know, they're lighting off like serious fireworks right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's behind the stage. You wouldn't know. It's like, do something here. He probably went to White House subs before the show for a sandwich. <laughs> and that's what gave him all that extra energy. <laughs> got the got, White House special. Yeah, he got the Italian. <laughs> Shit's awesome. So <laughs> he was definitely fired up. But yes, Brian, beautiful description. I totally agree with you. It, that version of Drowned, I'm going to keep going back and listen to that because at the end of it, I do remember in my mind's eye, like, holy shit, that they were like red and white fireworks going off as Paige is just going ape shit. You know, it's really hard to like put all that together. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about it or something. <laughs> well, that happens a lot with three nights in a row in a place like Atlantic City, you know, where, like you said, the days kind of melt into each other with your one meal and you try and get into this groove and routine because you don't go anywhere else. So yeah, there's a lot that you forget and then you're happy to remember. No doubt about yeah. it. That, dr yeah. that drowned is something to remember. Yeah, the drowned was great. And I, the second song of the second set seems to be a, a, it was a Ghost, big, right? Yeah, and it seems to be a big- No, that was the third song. So they started with, I never needed you like this before. Oh, I forgot about that one. Yeah, okay. I know, you, but it was a really short romp through that and it was only the second time played. Right. Right, so, I mean, it was, I mean, I think it's only like five minutes long, which I was yeah, really was, happy, happy to hear. I think, yeah, the Drowned, I think, because you love it so much, I saw it at my first show. I mean, who doesn't like The Who? It can kind of supersede like, oh shit, that wasn't the opener. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, on this tour, it feels like the song holding down the, the two spot in the second set, and, and this is not across the board at every show, but has been a vehicle for a nice jam. Obviously, that holds true here with this drowned as well. The, the thing that I pulled from night two was the Reba Soul Shakedown Party split open and melt uh, in the first set. And the Reba here is a very clean version of Reba. They nailed it. They nailed the intricate technical part at the beginning. They nailed the drop into the blissful segment before they go and start to build towards the peak. It was delicate patient and then into a soul shakedown party and skinny and i have talked a lot about reggae and when reggae comes into the music scene that we're into we talked a little bit about bob marley we talked about small acts an instrumental small acts that trey band did in a show in 2002. for me we're standing on the beach we're listening to soul shakedown party page sounds incredible the feeling that we had coming out of the Reba, which was a little bit disconnected because they did not do the whistling. We've, Skinny and I have talked on Stummy Down about that whistling kind of bringing it back around to the light, happy-go-lucky, nonsensical feel of Reba. And they kind of leave it hanging. Then they drop this soul shakedown party, which everybody on the beach was completely digging. Soul Shakedown Party itself being a little bit of a rare tune here. I've actually seen three of the last four. Yeah, well, that was Amy's favorite part of the whole weekend. I mean, she couldn't stop talking about that. And I mean, you know, this is a very Bob Marley-influenced house that we have over here. And, yeah, absolutely. You know, she, she couldn't stop talking about it. As short as it was, 
you know, I'd love to go back in her statistical like things that she's seen. I don't think she's seen it maybe at all, just based on her. Like she was so happy to see that. She was like, how about that? And I was like, I saw one in Merriweather, but that was cool. <laughs> and that total, segment. Total fish dick. <laughs> and, that, and that segment from the Reba into the Soul Shakedown party, like I remember standing on the beach and it was still light out. You could still see the ocean. And there's just this complete surrender to where you are. And you let, at that point, the music was com had completely enveloped me. And I was at the whim of the band. It was 100% all smiles. And that moment, and then they drop into that split open and melt, which was dark and spooky and unbelievable one of the most unbelievable split open and melts that i've seen that jam coming out of the soul shakedown it really gave again that dichotomy of what fish can be this silly happy-go-lucky fan-based enjoyment into dark dirty a little bit scary Fishman was playing at the end of that split open melt. Fishman was on the snare drum, and there was just a feeling that you got from listening to that. Oh man, that like that's why I fish, you know. And that three song segment there from Reba through split open and melt. I mean, that is a great window into if you want to call it 4.0 fish, the sound that they have and where they are now. I think is emblematic in that three song segment there on Saturday. Plus it was the kid's birthday too. So we knew we were getting a good show no matter what. Yeah. yeah I did. Open and Mel did push me over a little bit, a little bit too close to the edge. I usually don't love split open and melt past, and I'm going to sound like my jaded self, but past like 1997, maybe or 98, uh, split open and melt hasn't done too much for me with exceptions. Of course, 99 was a good year for it. But in 3.0, generally, Split Open and Melt, I think, is called on to, uh, usually at the end of a set, to get weird when the rest of the set is pretty pedestrian and it shows. Like, I don't know if it could shoulder that kind of instantaneous turnaround, like, I don't know, Mike Fluffhead or a Mike Screw could. But this time, it didn't need to do that. We were already in a good mood, like you said. It was already a great set to begin with. And this Split Open and Melt went places. It really did. It was the best version I've heard in years and years and years. That's so, I'm glad to hear you say that because I know that you and Justin Bruce have talked about, well, yeah. Justin Bruce has talked about how, like, again, I love that term, make A. Yeah, I'm lifting it from him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's fine. I mean, he's, he knows what he's doing. So, <laughs> Justin, how are you? Uh, he's on so, TV, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> you know, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to make hay out of this set so you're like, all right, let's do, you know, this funky, you know, intricate jam in Split Open and Melt. But I agree with you guys. I, it was one of the better ones I've heard. I, I don't know what the best Split Open and Melt I've heard, but I know it was really, really good. I really liked that. I, I was definitely settled in with that. It was great. I thought the first sets, again, in AC of that entire run told the entire story of, of that band for that weekend. Coventry had a pretty good split open and melt. Yeah, but everything so, at Coventry didn't happen. I right. barely remember what I I'm barely a, remember Coventry what we truther. were doing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I'm a the funny truth or two. <laughs> the, honestly, the funny thing I think the craziest part about this split open and melt is that it didn't end this set. They came out and, no. and they finished with a coil, and right. which was the, great too. That was really was, good. It was great. So that whole set for me was probably my favorite first set of this three night run. Absolutely. And for me, it was song selection. It was this, the way they played it. I liked the slow llama. I'm a slow llama fan. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted that I got a fast llama and a slow llama in the same week. So I was completely jazzed about that. This was a very well constructed set. And so I feel like they didn't put Split Open and Melt in a position where it had to do the heavy lifting here. So then it did really give it that opportunity for them to kind of stretch their legs, get weird. Everybody was doing some weird sounds. 
And again, I think it goes back to the band was having fun with it. Look at the version they played last night at the Gorge. I don't know if you guys have heard that yet, but again, they were having fun with it and they didn't ask Split Open and Melt to kind of do the heavy lifting of the set. I think that that's a very good point. Yeah, Split Open and Melt, I'd like it to be known now. I'm nominating it for Comeback Player of the Year 2021. All right, I, I got I got your vote <laughs> to be to be con- for your consideration and to wrap it up for Sunday night. I'll say it. I don't care. Uh, I know this is probably a pretty common opinion, but maybe people are ashamed to say it. I am not because I don't have shame. Uh, backwards down the number line was really important to me. It was really good. I don't like Backwards Down to the Number Line very much as a song. Uh, I'm not really a defender of it, even if it doesn't need defense. I never have. I was there for its debut in Hampton in 2009. Uh, I've been the victim of many ripcords into Backwards Down the Number Line, especially in 2009 and 2010. I did not expect it after the Fluffhead encore. I do believe that Fluffhead would have been the best closer ever for this three-night run. I think everyone would have left with a smile on their face, uh, radiance, even though people already did, even with Backwards Down the Number Line, Fluffhead really would have been the stamp of approval on this three-night run. Uh, I did notice more than a few people making their ways to the exit during Backwards Down the Number Line. So I'm trying to put my credentials out there that I'm not just some fluffer. I'm not only about attendance bias. But all that said, it really was a great way to close this run. Like, I couldn't even imagine how many people at these three nights were at their first show back from 2019 or previous. I have to imagine it was at least 30 to 40%, if not more. This song, as much or more than any other Fish song, is about friendship. It's about keeping track of old times while embracing new times. It's about reaching out to your friend and letting them know they can always reach out back to you. I saw so many people, like I mentioned earlier, so many people greeting each other, hugging, screaming, uh, arms around each other, having dinner, like you guys and I met up at that place, Harry's, right? Next to Valley's. Meeting new friends, reconnecting with old ones. And I have to imagine for Trey, since he's from Princeton, right? Not too, too far from Atlantic City, closer than I am at least. This had to feel like a huge homecoming for him. You know, when he said at the beginning of the first night, welcome to the beach, he was welcoming us to the beach. You know, it wasn't like the half of the whole band, at least I didn't interpret it that way. It was like, welcome to my house, kind of. So the Fluffhead encore was for us, the fans. I walked away with the distinct understanding that backwards down the number line was for him because we all know the origin of it. We know the mythology of it with Tom Marshall writing these lyrics and leaving them on Trey's answering machine. I think I have that right. And we know that this is one of Trey's favorite songs to play and just to have in his arsenal. Fluffhead was incredible and I would have been more than happy leaving it there. But backwards, I mean, who's going to complain about more fish? Nobody. Yeah. Somebody did. I mean, there was more than a few people did. There were a lot of people that complained about it and got very critical that they should have just left it at Fluffhead. You know what? Look, we talked about this a little bit earlier. This was the bookend, the back end bookend of the weekend. When they put these shows together, when they put these sets together, there is a message that I think that they want to communicate to us. And the pandemic happened to the band too. You know, they had to deal with all this stuff in their own way. Yeah. And for them to be able to now play these shows, I think, you know, when they play these songs more and and some of these songs that, that are maybe vehicles that people don't like, they don't like the sentimentality, they don't like dad the rock. love and light, the dad rock, whatever you want to call it, people kind of look at it from their very individualistic perspective and not necessarily the message that the band is saying to the crowd. You know, we want you to be happy. I mean, it's pretty fucking apparent that, (laughs) you know, what they're doing is... (laughs) Right. I don't don't get it. Well, and and not all that. It's funny, Josh, because I saw all that too on Twitter and like, 
Let, let's just break this down. So we just had an episode where we talked about uh, a backwards down the number line from Hartford in 2016. It's one of those jams that's mentioned on fish.in where it's a jam that's very patient and quiet and it doesn't blow up when it's time for the jam to blow up. I've seen it be turned down at Merriweather when it's been an encore. I left for this encore, but I want to just note that I was still hearing the band. So we were singing and dancing all the way up the boardwalk. You know, my wife and I really like that song. So if you're a hater of that song, it's okay. There are a lot of songs that I don't like either. I felt the same way that Brian, you do, and Josh, you do, is they're saying something to us, like how happy they are to be back. And I have a hard time with people kind of shitting on that, considering like what I want to talk about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which is another first set, which is when they did a sense and subtle sounds intro and then dropped into the devil's basement on this moment dance, which went type two. Like, what is it that you people need <laughs> from the band? You know, here I am talking about first sets all weekend were, were outstanding. I mean, three first sets in a row, which I had never really heard. You know, my highlight of the third day was obviously the Sense and Subtle Sounds intro, and then they just kind of stop it. And then, I mean, the bottom falls out of the entire Moma Dance. And then it doesn't even sound like Moma Dance at the end of it. There's so much going on, so many soundscapes, so not even ambient, like a little funky, just some weird shit they were doing, especially with the new rig, which had like these kind of like tic-tac type line lights, like when Mike was hitting the bass a lot. I, I can't wait to see that at Dick's because it was amazing. But people really, with the backwards down the number line, man, like just go hug your wife or your girlfriend or your whoever. Or your friend just and like happy. just yeah just be happy I, I i have a definitive problem with like saying that sucked as compared to like you know an hour before when they do a sense and subtle sounds intro that they played the night before without the intro and and again well, I'll, I'll go back to what <laughs> in the world do you people want <laughs> well one of the things that i saw you're referring to the sense and subtle sounds and how they broke it up into two parts and reversed it. That was something that I saw people complaining about as well, because what were they doing? Why didn't they just play it all together? I thought that that was slick as shit, having the sense intro, and then they drop into just a super, super groove out of that into this MoMA dance. I think I wrote down in my set book that they were fucking with us. They were doing different things, having fun. And I think if you watch the video that they released of the sense intro into MoMA dance, if you look at the expressions of the guys, like Trey's face, when he drops into MoMA, you realize these guys are fucking having so much fun up there. And you could tell right at the beginning of that MoMA that, that it was gonna maybe go for a ride a little bit because they were doing something unique there. Yeah, and he's that's smart. what yeah, he's and smart. that's what I like. I like that. And I was definitely not like for me, I was like, oh, they're messing with us. Cause when we were at I think Hershey, they played a curtain without a whiff. Right. And, and then I've seen a sense without the intro. I can't remember where we saw that. Maybe that was up in uh Brian, I think we were in those shows in two thousand four too. It's back. It was definitely in two thousand four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like so we it's not like I haven't seen that before, but then what they did with it, maybe Brian, we should ask <laughs> you what else was your favorite part <laughs> of the third night yeah the third night like golly man we could go on forever and ever that that was my favorite part i also want to defend your love for that backwards too that's kind of where i'm at a lot maybe i just gotta stay off social media i'm like a 13 year old i don't know <laughs> I thought that the the Set Your Soul Free Beneath a Sea of Stars Sunday was spectacular. Set Your Soul Free has quickly become one of my new favorites. It's a great vehicle. I like the lyrics. 
again, I, when we were talking about the 14th, you set your soul free. You're standing on a beach. You have not a care in the world. This version was really cool. They've been doing the I'm a man tease. I feel like they've sprinkled that into a few shows. I think it was in a Carini. There was a Carini tease in this. There was a, a Linus and Lucy tease towards the end of this, Set Your Soul Free. And then Beneath a Sea of Stars was just so touching and beautiful. And talk about nailing a placement for a slowdown yeah. song here. It was put in the perfect spot. It wasn't a very long version. It was under nine minutes, but we're all here together. The weather's fine. I, sometimes I'm standing there and just some of the words just hit me perfectly in that time and in that space. I, you know what? I saw somebody comparing this, this Beneath the Sea of Stars, like this is Fish's Dark Star, if I've heard you that. will. Uh, I saw that a couple of times, and I, I don't know if I would necessarily make that comparison, but this is a tune that I feel like has a lot of potential within that ambient, dissonant jam space. And this version, it's kind of like a micro jam there with this, but I do feel like this is something that has a lot of potential and it fit perfectly for where we were on the beach, under the stars, the beautiful weather. It just, we were all there together. It just had a very perfectly placed feeling and atmosphere to it. So I really like that segment on Sunday. Well, wrapping it all up, if Fish made this an annual tour stop, would you guys go back or is it, does it depend on anything or is it locked in already for the rest of your lives? I would lock it in. I mean, for us, it's two and a half hours. It's such an easy drive. And although we've shit on Atlantic City, all, apolog <laughs> all apologies, Atlantic City, you know, as long as I got my room when I get there, I would say yes. I mean, I had a good time at Bader Field. Well, I had an amazing time at Baderfield. I just couldn't remember it. Prior to this recording, Brian and I were talking and I was like, I, I just don't remember anything that was so remarkable. At, at this run, I do. I don't know, maybe it's age or I'm paying attention now. I forget, but I would definitely do it. I, I, I love it up there as far as Boardwalk Hall. They have Baderfield, they have the beach. There's a bunch of different environments they could do it. So I would definitely go back. Yeah, I won't miss fish in Atlantic City. I just like I wouldn't miss fish in Philly or at Merriweather. I consider it a hometown show. It's the East Coast. If the band is playing somewhere on the East Coast that I can get to in under five hours in a car, and if it's longer, my wife doesn't like to be in the car that long, so we'll fly. Yeah, I'm absolutely going. And like I said, Atlantic City for a show is a great place to go see concerts. I don't like Atlantic City for the other things that you might go to Atlantic City. And so I will absolutely go back to Atlantic City to see music. I have no need to go back to Atlantic City for any other reason aside from seeing music. I've done that. And I'm done with that. Well, I've where never else, had. Where else can you find White House subs? Well, there is that too. You have to go to too, Atlantic Brian. City. We yes, you have to go to Atlantic right. City. The bakery that they get their bread from is in Philly, <laughs> so you can get their bread at other shops in Philly. There's plenty of places that I love to eat in Philly as well. So you know, the other thing is about White House subs is you know when we were walking out Monday. I did hesitate and think, should we take some for the road? But at that point, I had probably eaten about four feet of Italian cold cut. So I decided I can take a little bit of a break from the meat and the cheese and the bread, and it'll be here maybe the next time I come back for a show. Fair enough. I'd what like about you? I mean, what about you, Brian? Well, I, I, I mean, are you going back to AC? I'd you like know, to basically regardless? I wouldn't say regardless. To me, it's very dependent on what else Fish's schedule looks like otherwise, because this year I loved it and it was not a question for this past summer. I'm anticipating a New Year's run. I'm already in for Mexico in February. I feel like my budget is right on the precipice 
Mexico is like 90% of it if you break it down into a pie chart. As expensive as Atlantic City was, and it was, you know, though those late those late summer weekends in those ho- those casinos, it wasn't just because of fish. Anyone who's not from the area, Atlantic City cleans up from people, especially in New York City or wherever else along 95, who says, you know, let's get away for the weekend. Let's get out of the city. Atlantic City is the place they go. So it is at least $300 a night if you're staying at the Tropicana or Bally's or Hard Rock, what have you. But with Madison Square Garden, even though I live extremely close to it, the New Year's run is always a big expense, no matter what. Mexico is a gigantic expense and AC, I don't know, maybe Friday night, maybe Sunday night. I don't know if I would go for the whole weekend again, because like we said, there's not much to do during the day, in my opinion. But I also know that I'm the type of guy who will scroll his Twitter feed, know that I'm missing out and I'll end up going anyway. So as the as the consummate Libra, I'll say I'll balance it by saying, I don't know, maybe depending on what else. Then the other side will be, what are you, a fucking idiot? Of course you're going to go. <laughs> Everyone else is going. Not for nothing. It's it's close. And it if is you very look, close. If you look at the way sometimes a tour shakes out, I mean, Skinny and I have gotten lucky. They'll play two nights at Merriweather and then two nights in Philly. Boom. We've just got four shows. Or maybe they'll do a three-night run at Camden or something like that. Right. Or Holmdale, yeah. Right. And we got two nights at Merriweather and you know now now we're we're rolling in it because we've got these shows that are close hershey and ac were really the only close shows to us you have to take advantage of what is around when it's around and so for me i think that that's one of the reasons why ac will always be a yes because if they're playing ac that means they're probably not playing philadelphia camden and probably not playing pnc and probably not playing Merriweather. So that's Paul, what Paul, don't got. say that because then, <laughs> then Brian, I'll tell you what, if they don't play AC next year and they play Merriweather for a two or three night run, you can stay. Well, that's the thing. I appreciate that, but that's the thing. I won't miss Merriweather. I love right. Merriweather posts. Like, yeah, we, every, we, we love that. That's our hometown venue. So yeah. like if they play two or three nights there, you got a place to stay, brother. We're five minutes Thank up the you. road. Yeah, yeah, Thank man. You. Is there oh, a Wegmans? There's a Wegmans stay. nearby, right? <laughs> yeah, we have a Wegmans right down the street, dude. All we right, then it. I'm in. <laughs> we got then a refrigerator. We got a bed. <laughs> yeah, we got it all. How luxurious. <laughs> <laughs> well, until then, I suppose, there was really fun reliving this and talking about not just the shows and the environment, such as it is, and everything around it, but also the emotions ahead of time, the context in which it was played. I had a really good time talking about it with you guys on Stub Me Bias the last hour and a half or however long it's been. We really love this new friendship and this collaboration, man. It's so awesome. So obviously it's just awesome to talk about this stuff. One of the reasons that we're all here is because we love talking about this band, this music and everything that goes along with that. Um, and that's why both of these podcasts got started. So definitely cool to, to kind of put a bow on AC and, um, we can't demonstrate our appreciation enough for the experience and, and, uh, making new friends too, bro. Oh, likewise guys. Thanks again. Uh, let's do it again soon and fingers crossed for a new year's run. Amen, man. Hopefully we see you there, brother. Thanks so much. Absolutely. And we will see you the next time you need to get your attendance bias down into the path. (laughs) Nice. Sub me down there. All right. Take care, guys.